welcome to another edition of the Critical Condition Sports Podcast. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day and give the show a listen. Uh, it's all very much appreciated. So, uh, today, just real, real quick before we get into this, it's going to be a quick episode uh, for us here today. I'm just going to be going, going over some Cowboys and Eagles stuff, AFC East breakdown for you. We're going to go over an update on the NBA Finals and some big news for the Texans as they officially let go of Bill O'Brien. Was it right was it the right decision? Is the problems for Houston beyond coaching? That's what we're gonna go over today. But real quick, just before we get into today's episode, I'm just gonna go over my weekly plug-in. I have a great I have an exciting announcement at the end of this episode just for y'all. So just be uh, just make sure to stay tuned and listen for that one. So real quick, just go ahead. I want to remind everybody to Follow Critical Condition Sports on Instagram at Critical Condition Sports and go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter. I'm trying to be a little more active on Twitter. So if you want to go ahead and check us out on Twitter, you can follow me at Condition Talk. We're also available on YouTube where you can go ahead and get that extra sports content. I do weekly videos or some random topics in the game of football. This coming Wednesday, my episode entitled The Best Quarterback That You Haven't Heard Of Yet will be coming out this Wednesday at 1 o'clock Central Time. You can go ahead and check that out where I'm going to give you the breakdown on the best quarterback you haven't heard of. You can go ahead and find that video on YouTube at Critical Condition Sports. Again, search Critical Condition Sports and you will be able to find that video this coming Wednesday, 1 o'clock Central Time. All right. And so now that we got that out of the way, I'm going to go ahead and just start off with the Dallas Cowboys. You all already know my favorite time of the week, my favorite subject. It's It's really funny just because of the fact that I mean, first of all, look, I'm going to go out go out here and just say this. I thought Dallas was going to win that game. I thought that no way in the world Cleveland was going to win. I thought they had a puncher's chance just because of the fact that I thought this game was going to potentially become a shootout for Baker Mayfield and that he was going to have to win the game for him. And we've already seen. It's very obvious, you know, the formula for Cleveland to win is to be just be able to run the football and, you know, don't make Baker throw more than, you know, 20 times in a football game. Don't have to make him carry you. So I thought that, you know, the Browns could run the football effectively. They had a chance to win this game. I thought that the Cowboys were going to be able to move the ball. Unfortunately for them, though, the game didn't start off to the way that they wanted. And Cleveland just romped them on the ground. You know, they had over 300 yards for the entire game. At the end of the third quarter, they already they amassed, you know, about more than 200 yards in that game already. You had a third stringer and, you know, Dearness jo- uh, Johnson get, you know, 95 yards on 13 carries. When you have your third stringer in and he's running for that much and is that effective, it's usually going to be a long day for you. And, you know, Dallas found that out. And obviously, you know, Twitter and the internet and, you know, the media goes crazy for this, as they should, because, you know, the Cowboys, once again, are losing, and they could very well, you know, they're 1-3, and three, and they could very well be 0-4 if the Atlanta Falcons knew how to just, you know, sit on a ball on special teams. So that is that. Um, you know, my takeaway on this is, you know, the sad part is, you know, we got rid of Jason Garrett, you know, for the Dallas Cowboys, and, you know, the coaching has just not gotten any better. And, you know, you think that, you know, you get rid of Jason Garrett as, you know, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys 
And the thing about this is, though, you didn't think the coaching could get worse, but it's gotten worse. And Mike McCarthy looks like he's a little bit too in over his head at this point. You could really tell. I mean, again, you go back to week one against the Rams. You go for it on fourth down in an obvious kicking situation to tie the game and give your team a shot instead of putting your team in a bad position and have to play from behind, whether you trust your quarterback or don't. I mean, it's just common sense, people. Then you have a terrible start against the Falcons. You're pretty much lucky to be able to escape that win because, hey, you know, it's Atlanta. They pretty much give up your double-digit leads to anybody. You know, the only person that, well, actually, I'm not even going to say that they're worse than the Lions, even though the Lions are pretty pretty darn bad at that as well. But I think the, the Falcons take the cake when it comes to that. So they win that game, and then you go up against Seattle, and your quarterback, Dallas, has a chance to win the game and has a chance to be able to silence the critics and prove people why he's worth the kind of money that he's wanting, that he's trying to command, and he blows it again. And everybody was so happy, though, too, you know, against that Fal- Falcons team where they didn't see that. And then you go from that to go ahead and, you know, watching your quarterback struggle and just fail to, you know, get the points when you need them is terrible. But what happened with the Browns was just ridiculous. They paid money to, you know, Jalen Smith and Demarcus Lawrence, and they've come out flat. You pay money to Zeke and you don't pound the ball as much. I mean, Zeke uh, had, you know, 12 carries are, uh, you know, for the entire game. And it's it's ridiculous to see that, you know, only, you know, about 55 yards on there. And it's ridiculous to really see that. And, you know, you're only giving him 12 carries. You know, you, you don't you don't get off to a good start once again in the, in the quarter in this quarter of the season. You fail to, again, establish the run game because we already know that, you know, Dak at his best again. Fourth-round quarterback that plays like a fourth-round quarterback. I'm going to keep saying that. But, man, the game planning and not involving Zeke enough early is really what's hurting this football team. As much as I want to crush Dak, I mean, Dak's throwing for over 500 passing yards. I mean, Dak's leading the NFL in passing passing yards, and he's fourth as far as overall touchdown passes thrown. And through it all, though, they're still 1-3, and and Dak... You know, as much as coaching has been an issue, he want if you want to get that paid that big bucks, you know, those that big dollar contract, you want to get Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson kind of money. I mean, you gotta be able to overcome some of those things. And I mean, as you should be able to overcome that when you have a top eight offensive line, when you have a top three receiver, I mean I'm sorry, receiver, when you have a top three running back and a top five receiving core for that matter, man. I mean all this just goes back to the owner and pers- and personnel choices, and it goes back to, you know, that NFL draft and offseason moves. You know, you don't pay Dak, which I completely understand. You take a chance on Alden Smith, which has looked like, you know, it's paying off so far. But, you know, instead of drafting to your need, you take CeeDee Lamb in the first round, who is a great player. You could debate he was the best receiver coming out of college, but... It just doesn't change the fact that, you know, you were in need and you didn't upgrade the positions that were really going to burn you. Nowadays, even teams that are cheap like the Patriots overpay for a corner to be able to lock down the team's, you know, number one weapon. And the Cowboys don't have that. I mean, Trayvon Diggs, as, as good as I thought he could be, I mean, Nick Saban just squeezes the juice out of all, of, of most, if not all, most of his 
uh, you know, defensive backs there that don't, you know, end up usually having a hard transition. It's hard. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick, who we think is phenom- phenomenal in Pittsburgh, struggled in his first stint in Miami. Coaching matters. And, you know, when you have a guy like Mike Nolan, who's a defensive coordinator, I mean, the last time he was relevant in the football world was when the, he was a defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Oh, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed were part of that defense. That defense ran itself pretty much. The guy hadn't been a coordinator since, I believe, 2000, 2001, which is ridiculous. So the coaching personnel choices as far from, you know, GM to the coach has been the biggest issue. And it's dragging Dak Prescott right down the drain with them because of the fact that, hey, if we're talking about just getting paid by numbers, Dak would have gotten paid last year. And that's not what's getting it done for him. And it's not what's going to get done for him this year. You know, he's again, he's putting on fantastic numbers. For sure, top five in stats. Heck, top five in fantasy football. But what really matters is getting the wins when it, when it counts. You got to beat teams with winning records. You got to beat playoff caliber teams. I don't even consider Cleveland, you know, a, a, a legit winning team, you know. They're 3-1, and one, but I mean... Up to last week, it was the first time that they were, you know, went over 500 since the year 2014. I don't really consider that a franchise that's just necessarily known for winning. And they still couldn't beat them. So that's the nerve wracking. The next thing is, though, the separation between Dak and Carson, you could clearly tell. You know, I was watching that uh, Sunday night game between, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, the 49ers are a good football team. They are. They get a lot of bad rap. You know, we saw the Super Bowl and obviously in the way it ended and the way, you know, they lost. But they're a good team. Kyle Shanahan is a solid coach. And he can scheme as good as anyone else can scheme in the NFL. The run game is good. George Kittle's fantastic. And, you know, the backup quarterback situation is iffy. But they got some, you know, two guys whether it was Nick Mullins a couple years ago showing up for them or C.J. Beathard showing up yesterday, that, you know, can at least navigate you to a win or two or can fill in for your starting quarterback. But what Carson Wentz did yesterday, though, when he was playing against his football team was ridiculous. It was as close to a magic trick as you could see on the NFL football field just because of the fact that this guy, man, you want to talk about a guy, a franchise quarterback? And look, I'm not even a Wentz fan here, people. I'm not. I think he's, you know, before Cam played this year, you know, for the Patriots, I thought he was more Cam, you know, one-hit wonder. But what this guy's been able to do, and it's ridiculous with how the NFL works, but I'm going to give Wentz credit here. I made a video on YouTube whether I would love to take, you know, who I would love to take, you know, Dak or Wentz, and I took Wentz. And seeing him now, I'm still not going to change my mind because this guy is missing three. A star was missing three starting offensive linemen. I'm sorry, he's missing two starting offensive linemen. Diller was out, and then he lost Brandon Brooks. You replace him with Jason Peters, who's in his 16th year already. They didn't want him to play left tackle. They signed him just to play right guard, and they had to move him to left tackle. So clearly, Philly didn't want him there for a reason. This offensive line has let Carson Wentz get wrecked, allowing already more than 10 sacks through the first number of games. And he's lost to Sean Jackson, 
Jalen Rager, who's his first his receiver that they drafted in the first round to help him out, has been injured. Alshon Jeffries hurt. And yesterday, Carson Wentz with a bunch of scrubs nonetheless. With a guy named, you know, Travis Fergham. I can't even, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing the name right. I apologize. But, you know, with a bunch of just C to D talent players was able to go into San Francisco, albeit no crowd, but still, you have to travel, different time zone, against a team that, yes, I understand they're missing their starting quarterback, but overall is a really well-constructed team, well-coached, well-managed, and was able to get a win with that. The only thing that Philadelphia has better than, you know, take the quarterback aside as a team, is the defense. The defense is... Slightly better than the Cowboys. 100% agree on that. That D-line is better. You know, the secondary is better. You know, when you have Darius Slade, it's going to be a lot better than, you know, Trayvon Diggs on there or Chidobia Wuzier. It's better. But the quarterback's better here, people. The quarterback's better. I mean, you got to look at more things than just stats. Watch the games. That's where you can tell who's actually good. Not saying that Dak's performances aren't, you know, impressive. But hey, you gotta win. Carson Wentz with less talent has the same amount of wins with Dak Prescott in the top five receiving core, top three running game, top eight offensive line. And that's the ridiculous part. If you're Dak Prescott and you want to make Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes top money, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a terrible situation. But Russell Wilson doesn't have a perfect situation himself and it still finds a way to overcome the situations. That's what gets people paid. You look at Carson Wentz and he's able to at least get a, a win for you in the first four games and don't even, I don't want to hear about it just being a win because as of today, you know, we're sitting here and the Philadelphia Eagles are in first place of the NFC East. That's the difference in quarterback play right there. Wentz might be sloppy. He may not get those flashy numbers like Dak. But at the end of the day, Carson Wentz right now is in first place. Now, I do believe the Cowboys will figure it out. They'll give the ball more to Zeke, and they'll be able to muster out more wins and win the division eventually. But Billy's just not going to lay down for anybody. And Wentz, as much as I want to give the guy a lot of, you know, flack... He's playing, man, and, you know, the team believes in him. And that's a very dangerous thing as you head down the stretch of the season. Obviously, it's the first quarter of the season. Still got a lot of football left. We don't know what's going to happen, obviously. But, and I still do believe that Dallas will win the division, but Dallas got to clean a lot of things up. Let me shift to this. So, you know, the Lakers lost to the Miami Heat 104 to 115. Jimmy Butler was ridiculous. 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists. Heroic basketball is the best way to put it. Because if you lose this game here in Miami, you pretty much have um, you know no chance in winning. No chance against LeBron James. You know, having to win four in a row against him, just not going to happen. But to me, the real story of this game was this kid named out of Kentucky named Tyler Hero. 17 points. Three rebounds, two assists. And just the thing that stood out about this entire game is how this kid 
God, I gosh, I can't even tell you what kind of what what play it was exactly, but I believe he scored. Kid was mean mugging, had a smirk on his face, and I just said, "It's over, man. This series is done." Miami's going. No, Miami's got no chance. I never believed they had a chance to begin with. I said, you know, Lakers in five, but it's over, man. Call it. Whatever hope that Miami had in coming back into this series, that little kid just, you know, squandered away. And I say that just because of the fact that you add fuel to the fire in LeBron James. The last thing you want to do is give LeBron James any more reason to want to beat you. You don't want to add more fuel to the fire, so to speak. And what happened is uh, Tyler Hero just completely ruined any kind of chance that LeBron James had. You're a 20-year-old. I understand you're playing in the NBA Finals. But, kid, you got to understand, man, you're trying to come back and climb back to tie this thing and give yourself an opportunity to win. The last thing you need to do is give LeBron James more ammunition. Jimmy Butler carried that team and played phenomenally. But so did Dame. Game one of the opening round, 34-5-5. He did. And after that, LeBron just took, took it away from his hands. And I bring that up just because of the fact that, man, Dame was exhausted after that game. And it took a heck of a performance to be able to beat LeBron in that sense. And that's what happened with Jimmy. Sunday. It took a heck of an effort to be able to win this game against LeBron James without Bam, without Drogic. And then you have this kid named Tyler Hero, man, in a sense showboating to me, making faces, looking like a moron, just being as honest as I can be on that. And... You, not only do you piss off LeBron James, but man, you got to understand, your leader in Jimmy Butler just literally drained the juice that he could out of his body to be able to muster up that win for your team. He played phenomenal. But I feel like, ultimately, I feel like the Lakers are going to dominate game four because I, I think that took mostly everything Jimmy had in the tank. And there's not enough time to rest. These guys have already been in quarantine since, you know, the end of June or the end of July, however many months it's been, and they're drained and exhausted, and they want to go home, and there is some sort of frustration, and Jimmy Butler just had to, you know, gave, give as clutch and as much of a heroic performance in a playoff, in a defining, and a very crucial playoff game in a series for his team, and that's pretty much it, man. I don't see this happening again. I feel like, again, uh, game four for the Lakers is just going to be a real dominant performance. I feel like, you know, it, this is just too much on Jimmy. Not only is he doing that, but he's also having to play defense. And I feel like, you know, the Miami Heat will be going home. This thing will not go past game five this Friday. So that is that. Congratulations, Tyler Hero. You pretty much helped him did that. And, you know, I'm not trying to, like, single out the guy. But, you know, you just got to be more mature, better sportsmanship in that sense, and know the kind of situations that you're in. A guy like LeBron James doesn't need to get more ammunition on that sense. Kid's good. Butler's fantastic. But ultimately, again, this series will come to an end by this Friday. So let me shift to the last thing I want to talk about, and that is 
the Houston Texans have officially fired Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was the head coach of Houston, if you didn't know that. And, you know, through the time, Bill O'Brien mustered up a record of 54 wins to 52 losses. Overall, you know, he was able to get four division titles, four trips to the playoffs, two and four, unfortunately. One of those, you know, wins wouldn't really want to count it or wouldn't want to feel good if you're a Houston fan because you beat a third string quarterback in Connor Cook. Yes, people, I still remember that. And uh, they dominated that game. Uh, you know, the the real playoff win that I guess I'd consider was, you know, the one that Deshaun got last year against the Bills where they won 22 to 19 in overtime. And that was just fun. That was a phenomenal performance by him. But, you know, the Texas started 0-4, and the question is, was this the right decision? Was it the right decision to do it because of COVID? Was it the right decision to do it because, you know, of how early it was in the season? You know, we're a quarter through. Uh, did they jump the gun? And I think, no, I think that, you know, better late than ever, I guess, in that sense. I feel like this was a long time coming. I would have moved off Bill O'Brien two years ago, people. But, you know, Deshaun came in, saved his, helped save his job and extend life into it but now it's over he's gotten fired and you know some people defended bill o'brien i did say he was a decent coach but overall to put your team over the top again people play this game to win championships that's why the nfl's in business besides money i mean you want to win a championship that's why people are contending that's why their owners you know aggressively trying to find good coaches that fit and that could you know put their team over the edge not all but most of them the ones that are do care about winning this was a long time coming though even though bill o'brien had a win has a winning record went to the playoffs four times out of six years man you gotta really just it's like what i said about stats aren't everything in football gotta watch the games sure the houston went to the playoffs four times uh one they lost 30 zero against kansas city the time they won a game, again, was against a third-string quarterback. The third season, uh, th- a third time, I'm sorry, they lost to the Colts, and it wasn't even a close game. You just you felt like that game was over by halftime, man. The Colts just dominated that game. A fourth time, though, it took Deshaun Watson doing Deshaun Watson things and just being heroic and made a crazy completion while getting sacked to be able to put his team in a position to win. Now, again, I go back to, was this the right decision? Absolutely. Because you take away the average to subpar coaching in Bill O'Brien, and then you look at his personnel moves as a GM. You know, Brandon Cooks, he acquired, gave up a second-round pick, Brandon Cooks, this season. You took him to try to replace DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, Yeah, 10 catches for 138 yards in four games. Um, He didn't catch a ball. This past Sunday. How's that working out? DeAndre Hawkins pretty much gave him away for a bottle of ketchup. I'm sorry. Gave him away for a second round pick and David Johnson. David Johnson's doing okay. But he gave up a value. You only get a second round pick for a guy that's arguably a top three receiver in the National Football League. Ridiculous. Gave up first second rounders for Laramie Tunsil, which I understand you got to protect the shot. And Kenny Stills. What? I mean, I haven't seen Kenny Stills be a big part of the offense. Really? Besides maybe about one game, if I'm even accurate on that. People, if someone wants to tell me that, uh, correct me on that, please feel free to message me. Uh, You know, gave a former, you know, first overall pick in Jadavion Clowney. Only got a third rounder. 
questionable calls nonetheless here in, uh, for Houston, which pretty much just didn't help Bill O'Brien's, you know, fate here. Obviously, the Hopkins one and then see how Deshaun has struggled without a true number one receiver uh, really exploited them a lot. Uh, we don't with Deshaun. It's kind of a step back, unfortunately. And as great as I talk about Deshaun, I mean, he needs some help, man. Some help, man. Wolf Lorraine doing it. Brandon Cooks, again, you know, 10 catches in four games, 138 yards, no catches in a football game. You know, that's, this past Sunday is not going to get it done. They're struggling. Um, I think Houston is in danger of being in a rebuild. I think it's a great job, though. I think, to me, it's the number one job. I mean, Houston, crazy city, man. It's nice. Uh, you know, not. I definitely think that... It's a great city living in Texas, and you have a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson. That's what you need. You need a nail coach, and you need to get a quarterback. Everything else, let the coach worry about that. But when you're a coach, you have time to be able to work on that. I mean, O'Brien had six seasons, you know. I think that, again, this is the best job. I would rather take this job over the Atlanta job, to be honest. Again, you have a young franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson. The contract is already in. He's got an extension. There's no controversy or debate about that. You're keeping him. But he is a guy that you can win with. A guy that, you know, can model is a model of your franchise. You just gotta work on peace and everything, you know, making sure that you fix up the offensive line, get a true number one receiver, obviously make corrections on defense and whatnot. But overall, I think the Houston job's a fantastic job to get. I feel like, you know, the guys for this job, uh, you know, it should be Brian Doble from, you know, Buffalo, who's the offensive coordinator there. You've seen what he's done. Him and uh, McDermott have been able to do with Josh Allen and his development. And uh, obviously Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City, the offensive coordinator there. I would lean towards uh, Brian Doble just because of the fact that you've seen true work in progress. And uh, let's face it, man, with Andy Reid there, with Patrick Mahomes there, I mean, I think any person with a clipboard can look good coaching that it's pretty much the job's pretty much doing it itself if it's not Andy Reid it's Patrick Mahomes so I think uh, it's more impressive what Doball's been able to do he's an offensive guy I would personally hire him and give him a shot that's my opinion on that end Um, but you know for Houston finally you know Houston a problem resolved got rid of your coach Uh, as far as for this season you know it's kind of hard to see them be able to win the division or be able to get into the playoffs with an interim coach but Houston still has a shot when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson I still feel like there's opportunity depending on how Romeo Cornell who is going to be the interim head coach now um, can control his team we'll see maybe they'll play hard for him I still feel like Houston still has a shot I don't, don't think the season's still lost I think that people need to relax you know it's a quarter of the season. Obviously, there's still a lot of major factors going on factoring into this coming season. This season, I'm sorry. And we will see how that goes. I still think Houston still has a legit chance to be able to make the playoffs, though, even if it's just as a wild card. So that's the show for today, folks. I want to thank you all for listening. Oh, real quick, I just want to go ahead and announce that Critical Condition Sports Podcast will be back this coming Friday with a special guest. And I haven't officially announced this yet on social media, but... Critical Condition Sports Podcast will be back this Friday with Chelsea Tucker. Chelsea is a uh, MMA fighter, and she is actually going to be on the show. I'm very excited. Last week, I had Joe Gianetti, former UFC star, 
that was on the show for the podcast. You, obviously, you can look at that video in the library and you can enjoy that. But this week, it's different. I have Chelsea uh, Tucker and, you know, I'm very excited to talk to her. Uh, she's excited to do this show. And also, I guess I hope he's not mad for me plugging it right now. But this Friday, I will also be Friday night talking uh, talking uh, with Mac, catching up with Mac. Uh, you know, my boy, Corey Mack, I hope he doesn't get mad at me chopping that one up, but I'm very excited to be able to be joining him on the show, catching up with Mac this Friday, 7 p.m. But Central Time on Instagram, actually. So you can go ahead and follow at Critical Condition Sports on Instagram to be able to tune in this Friday. Me and Corey, man, it's exciting, man. I, I was He was with me here. My first guest on the Crew Condition Sports Podcast. We're going to definitely have a good conversation, have a good time, have a couple drinks while we're doing the show. So, everybody, if you want to tune in for that, that's I mean, you'll find that on Instagram. I'll be posting this on social media. Again, Corey, if you're listening, man, uh, you know, can't wait to be doing this. It's going to be exciting. Check out Corey at the real Corey Mac on Instagram, man. Guy's phenomenal. You'll see his content there. Anyways, thank you for joining me today, folks. I'll catch you next time. Goodbye.